Hey guys, welcome to the Kingdom Mamas podcast, where we encourage and empower moms just like you to raise those babies in the way they should go. Hi, I'm Trudy Lineski, God girl, wife, mama four, writer, vlogger, and speaker. I'm super passionate about the next generation. Together, we can lead, guide, and direct them to stand confidently in who God has called them to be. Grab your copy, get comfy. Let's get started. Happy Monday, Kingdom Mamas. I am so excited to introduce you to my girl, Brittany. Brittany Braswell is a registered dietitian and recovery coach who helps women that struggle with food-related fears and negative body image reduce their anxiety and disordered behaviors so they can confidently restore their health and ditch food rules forever. Can I get an amen, y'all? She's a wife, mama of two, entrepreneur, and lifelong Auburn Tiger fan or Eagle. I know some of my listeners are as well. Brittany has a passion for equipping young women and women of all ages to take captive the thoughts and behaviors that are keeping them in bondage to diet culture so they can finally experience peace in their health and the body the Lord has gifted them with. Take a little listen. Happy Monday, Kingdom Mamas. I am so excited to introduce you to my girl, Brittany Braswell. She is a registered dietitian. So she is coming at this podcast with a whole new perspective. It's different. It's unique to the other guests that we have had during this body image series. She is in the thick of things. She is seeing mamas. She's seeing teenagers. She's seeing all the people who need to refocus and redirect their attention to the one and only Jesus, where it needs to be first and foremost. Welcome, Brittany. We are so glad you are here. Yes, I am thrilled to be with you here today, Trudy. Okay, so we're going to start off with, so you're in the thick of things. You are in a clinical setting. You have adults, you have teenagers coming to you. What are some of the beliefs that these women are carrying? What are their views about their bodies? I see, I feel like I see so many different perspectives, but so many of them have some commonalities when it comes to their beliefs and when it comes to really the way they see themselves with and their, and their body image. And unfortunately, I feel like so many, and I feel like so many listeners, even that I talk to on a regular basis, just say, well, I just feel like it's normal. Like, isn't it normal for women to just like hate their bodies or to not like them or, you know, to feel like, well, I'm never going to be happy with it. I just have to learn to deal with it. And as much as I hate that, I also love it in the sense of being able to say, Hey, it's not normal. And there's so much more. You don't have to stay stuck. So when you start there and you're, you just don't even know that it's possible to not live that way. It it creates this hope like, okay, good. Like there's more to it. And so I feel like that's such a big one that it's normal. I just have to live with it. And then you see things on the other side. I see on a, on a weekly basis where it's, It's like, I I feel like I'm not doing enough. I feel like I should be maybe in a certain body size and I must just be lazy or I must just not be doing something right. I need to do more. And this mentality of more or not enough frequently turns into, well, then I'm not enough or, you know, I'm not, I'm just not doing something right. So there's something wrong with me. And, you know, maybe I just need to learn to love my body more. Or maybe I need to change it. It's kind of one of those ends of the spectrum I see so often. Like, and we can talk about that. There's, there's, um, I think some harm and some risk really that comes with that 
I have to be super body positive too. Right. Because I think, especially right. from a Christian perspective, that can really take our focus off the Lord and put it on. It's all about my body and can kind of turn into some, into some body idolatry. So that might even be a whole other conversation. But I feel like those are a lot of the things that I see as as pretty frequent commonalities between a lot of the the ladies and the men that I work with. Absolutely. I think culture normalizes it, right? Like what diet are you on or what fat are you following? But it's not it's not biblical, right? It, it's, it's not biblical at all. It's not what God calls us to focus on. And, and there's this fine line between my body is a temple, you know, and putting that body on a pedestal. Like there, there's this line that we toe, right? A, a constant surrender. Yes. And I love that you brought that verse up. I have so many women that we talk about that verse specifically because that kind of becomes their argument for, well, this is why my body needs to be in such great shape or look like this. And if you go back, no, I'm not a biblical scholar, but this is something I've, I've studied into a little bit because we talk about it so much is that when you go back to the original language, when they're talking about the temple, they're not talking about this pristine, you know, beautiful building. They're talking about the place where you go to worship, where the Holy spirit resides. And so that's what our bodies are really meant for. They're not meant to do this, like keep it perfect and keep it pristine. And it has to look a certain way and it has to be, you know, quote unquote, beautiful. Right. But there's so much more to it. And there's so much more power that comes with knowing that I can make my body a temple for the Holy spirit because he resides within me. And I can, in, in focusing on growing that spiritual health and that relationship with the Lord, that is also where the physical health and mental health, but emotional all can stem from and grow as well. Oh, yes. So good. I love that, that our temple is where the Holy spirit resides and, mm-hmm. and that's where we build relationship. And, and that's, that's so cool. We could, we could speak for days on that. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> we can do a whole series. So let's say a mom is concerned that her daughter might be struggling with negative body image or disordered eating. What are some warning signs that you would, that you would see, or we would see as parents? Yeah. Um, I would say there's two different major types of signs that I would check for some being behavioral and some being physical. I think you really need to watch for both because body image is often kind of that gateway to disordered eating. Most of the time, most of my clients maybe start off and their eating patterns are so disordered, but then the more that they dislike their body, the more the behaviors change to try to change the body. So from a behavioral standpoint, a few of the things that you can watch for that might be a little bit more noticeable if you're looking for them, right? You can't, you gotta know, I can't just dismiss this as just this normal, you know, teenager, middle schooler, or college student kind of thing. A lot of comparison or excessive criticism around their body or comparing theirs to someone else's, Mm -hmm. Um, even if it doesn't sound super derogatory, when they just make comments about, hey, did you see so-and-so today or so-and-so lost a lot of weight or, wow, they, I could never wear shorts like that. Those kind of things come up all the time, all the time. So something that's something behaviorally to watch for and something that shows up as well. I feel like it's been so much worse the last year and a half with COVID is the social withdrawal piece. We've kind of been forced to withdraw so much. Mm -hmm. And, and as people are trying to kind of get back out into things a lot more, if you notice someone like maybe your child or loved one is still pretty hesitant to get out for reasons other than, 
you know, fear around being sick, they're often going to avoid maybe social events or specifically like if they have friends or a group that's going to go out to eat, they might avoid food related social events, which is so many things, right? They may say, oh yeah, let's go out and let's go for a walk. Let's go play soccer or hike, but I'm not going to go out to dinner. Right. Um, so, so that can be, that can be a big behavioral thing to watch for and <laughs> calorie counting in and out is mm. a big one. There is nothing. I don't, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with wearing like, you know, a step tracker or how clients wear like Apple watches that tell them blood pressure or how many steps a day or whatever, mm. but that can also be used as a tool. If it can become very obsessive. So if you notice they're checking it a lot, or maybe they have an app on their phone that's connected to it, you notice okay, well, they're compulsively walking around the house now to get their 10,000 step in before they go to sleep. Right. Um, that can, that can turn into an obsessive type behavior and it, it will very often lead to disorder eating. So there's probably a ton I can mention. I think the last one I'll point out is if you notice them going to the bathroom pretty frequently or dismissing themselves very frequently and kind of behind closed doors right after a meal mm-hmm. or a snack. I'm a huge, huge proponent of family meals. I I love, that's like one of my favorite things I look forward to because my kids are in daycare all day. Mm-hmm. So I love when they come home and we can all sit and eat together. And I think one of the things you can do if you're noticing that sign is say, hey, come independent on their age, finding an age appropriate activity for after the meal. Maybe it's sitting down and, you know, watching a show or playing a game or for some responsibility, maybe, hey, mom prepared the meal, dad prepared the meal, you come help us clean up in the kitchen. And so being able to give them some of that family focus time and support can be really helpful from a behavioral standpoint, if that's something you're concerned about. Yeah. So, okay. How, if we see these warning signs in our children, what's the best way to approach them? I mean, we don't want to, I guess, jump on them or explode. (laughs) Right. Recommend that we, um, that we speak to them about this. I would say the first thing is you, you want to make sure you're in a comfortable environment where they're not going to feel like attacked and certainly not, you know, have that conversation in front of other people. I think it's, it's really easy, especially if you notice something out and about to just want to address it in the moment. And sometimes that is appropriate, but you're usually going to get a better response. If you can say, Hey, you know, I've, I've got some, something I would really like to talk with you about. There's some things I'm concerned about. Let's touch base after school today and kind of like, let them know, Hey, during this time, we're going to spend some time together and we're going to have a conversation. It doesn't have to be this long, drawn out, uncomfortable thing, but having a set, a set time so that you're not saying, Hey, let's go talk about this now. And maybe they have other things that they want to do. And so they're not going to be as focused. They'll be more distracted. And I would always recommend point your concerns out in regard to their behavior, not them. Mm-hmm. Right. It's really, it's, it can be really easy to say like, you're doing this and you're not doing this. But when you can focus on specific behaviors and saying, you know, I'm, I'm noticing that this is happening after dinner. I'm noticing you're going to the bathroom pretty frequently. Mm-hmm. What, what's going on there and not assuming or accusing, but giving them an opportunity. And if it's possible, it's always nice to have like some facts or some observations when you come to that conversation to say, I'm like, I've had, I've had some, some moms with kids that have either been heavily restricted. Maybe they've restricted dinner. And then they end up maybe benching later that night because they're so ashamed and they want to do it in in hiding. And so I've had moms that we kind of coach them through and they have that conversation and say, Hey, I noticed you didn't really eat much at dinner and you said you weren't hungry. And I also noticed I found a bunch of wrappers 
mm-hmm. know, the next morning. And so I want to make sure that you're getting enough to eat. Is there a reason maybe you didn't feel comfortable eating with us at the table? And so just being able to point out things that you, you are observing that aren't just opinion, but observations can be helpful because sometimes they don't even realize the severity of it. Right. It may just be, you know, things that they, again, kind of feel like are normal or maybe they're embarrassed to talk about. Mm-hmm. And the more you can not normalize what they're doing, mm-hmm. but know that, Hey, I'm not attacking their character, but I have some concerns about the behavior that can definitely be more a gentle way to approach it. But at the same time, like it just creates opportunity for them to tell their side rather than you just saying, Hey, I saw this and this and this and this, and you don't need to be doing this. And let me tell you what to do instead. <laughs> yes. Inviting them. Yeah. I think so many times we just assume, you know, and, and, and in that assumption comes maybe some hostile conversations, but yes, I love it. Yes. Okay. So I know we typically see body image struggles show up in females, but what about mamas with sons that might be some seeing some of these red flags? Well, I would say I see them in both. Unfortunately, females tend to get diagnosed more frequently, Um, whether it's forward about it more willingly. I feel like there's still, there's a lot of stigma still, I feel like around mental health and disorder eating, but I feel like at least the last year and a half, that's something maybe that's been positive is that I feel like that's declined a little bit, Mm -hmm. but guys, most teenage boys and even adult males typically only get diagnosed about one in every four diagnoses for disordered eating and major body image issues. So we kind of use the term body dysmorphia. That's when Mm -hmm. someone is seeing their body really differently than what it actually is. And only about 25% of those tend to come from males. They're just very Mm underdiagnosed, except with binge eating disorder. That is the one of the diagnoses that I see Mm -hmm. they get diagnosed with that more frequently. And I think it's because it's, it's a little bit easier to catch sometimes. And a physician might even sometimes diagnose somebody with that, even if it's not always the case, because Mm -hmm. they might see some weight related changes or specific behaviors that they would say, Hey, this is going to be binge eating. So it does show up for sure in both. And I think something to watch for, especially in, in younger guys, middle school, high school, college, and even adults is risk factors might be, are they participating in a sport or event that has a weight class to it? Right. So like, like maybe, maybe they're doing like wrestling, Mm -hmm. right. There's different weight classes where they're going to want to try to gain a little bit or lose a little bit. And you've got to be really careful about the coaches that you put your, 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 you know, children or students even Mm -hmm. around bodybuilding. I see often in more the, the college or adult population can be really, really high risk. And then even things like cross, you know, cross country running track type events, those coaches often will push, you know, a certain weight means better performance. And it's not usually the weight, it's the behaviors and the health promoting things that you're doing that can really improve performance. And that may or may not have a side effect of weight change, gain or loss, but those are all usually pretty good risk factors. And obviously, you know, if someone's wrestling, it doesn't mean they're going to have disordered eating or body image struggles, but it significantly increases the chance that, you know, at least the conversation is going to be coming up more regularly. Yes. I think it's really important to guard out our children's hearts and minds with regards to the messages that are being sent to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
yeah, I see, I, I feel like I see that a lot too, that we have to be really intentional and kind of almost like preemptive. Mm-hmm. If you have children that, you know, if you have a son and he really loves wrestling, like that's wonderful. And also just increase your awareness around maybe sit in on a couple of practices and see how does the, how does the coaching staff interact with them? And right. what are some things you can be sure yeah, that you're instilling in them at home mm-hmm. so that they know if they hear something contradictory at practice that right. it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Yeah. Again, taking that thought captive, right? <laughs> yes. Always, always. <laughs> okay. So if someone is struggling with a lot of anxiety around their weight or how they look, what would you recommend their first step would be to overcome that anxiety? Well, I think asking for help feels difficult for people sometimes. And so what I try to remind a lot of the the women that I work with is that asking for help is not a failure. It doesn't mean you failed because you couldn't do something by yourself. It's actually a lot of wisdom because if you are willing to say, Hey, I need some help with this. You're going to be able to have access to a team, hopefully of people to make that process a lot faster, a lot shorter for Mm -hmm. you. And so you've got to first just acknowledge that there is a concern. You know, if, if you have someone come to you and say, Hey, I'm noticing this, this, you know, something seems off, then being able, instead of writing it off as, oh, well, this is just normal to say, well, maybe like, maybe there is something wrong that I'm not even seeing. And first and foremost, seek out some education and some support, whether it's family and friend support is always wonderful. But I think having, having a team, whether it's a dietitian, a therapist, a psychiatrist, anybody who is trained in this area, Mm -hmm. who can give you specific feedback. That's not, I'll say not not all providers are created equally, right? Like I would never, if someone came to me and said, Hey, um, I was diagnosed with celiac disease. I could say, well, I can give you some, you know, information about that, but that is not my specialty. Right. Right. And so I would tell my clients the same thing. Like if you struggle with disordered eating and you go see any dietitian, you might not get information that's specific to you. And it could potentially even get information that makes it harder to fight. Um, so, so looking for a team that specialized can be super helpful. Um, and again, just pushing past that stigma of, oh, well, I, you know, I, I can't ask for support or this is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. You are going to grow so much more and there's absolutely nothing wrong with asking for help. So I feel like that is for sure the very first step. Yes. And I feel like God intentionally puts people in your path for, for a reason, you know, I'm sure if these mamas who are listening could step back and think about who those people might be in their lives that they could reach out and ask for help and resources. And so, yeah. And so many people want, want to help and are willing Mm -hmm. as well. And what I have found too, with so many of my clients is that when they finally do open up, there's other people that are like, Oh, well, I actually struggle with that too. I just haven't told anybody. Right. Um, so there's, it's there like, you, you're not gonna, you're, you're gonna have a much harder time connecting with other people until you're willing to kind of get vulnerable and talk about it. And, and then I think from that point, once you are able and willing to open up and talk about it, the first thing I really encourage my clients to dig in that I, I kind of help them through is really exploring your core beliefs, not just how you like what you think about your body and not just what you think about food, but getting to like, 
And when I say core belief, I'm talking like, what is something you believe to be 100% true 100% of the time, right? Right. It doesn't mean that it's accurate necessarily, but it's your personal beliefs. So faith plays a role in that or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. Anything that has to do with just how you see the world, how you relate to people, Mm -hmm. family relationships, that's such a huge one that can play into so many different things that again, we could do a whole series on that, but, but diving into those core beliefs to know what do I believe and how is that driving my behavior? Right. Right? Because you you have a core belief that belief is going to lead to a variety of thoughts. And then it's our thoughts that really create emotions and that's translates to feelings in our body, like how we experience those emotions. And that's usually going to impact our identity. Mm-hmm. Like not our true identity, but how right. we perceive our identity, right? Yes. And and it's often our identity or our perceived identity that's going to drive those actions or behaviors. So right. instead of just focusing on, okay, well, maybe you know, instead of like if I was going to give the example of a mom, if if you're um if you feel like your daughter's struggling with under eating, right? Instead of just saying you just need to eat more, I'm going to sit here until you finish your plate. <laughs> right. That's kind of like the last step. Right. And mm. I, I say that with a grain of salt, that's not how we would go about it. Right. But when you just focus on the behaviors, you're not addressing the core. Yes. It's going to stem again. Right. It's like the analogy I like to give to explain this is, you know, if I sit on my front porch and I get stung by a wasp, mm-hmm. right. I can come inside. I can put some like topical Benadryl on it or a band aid, and I can go back outside and I've kind of helped maybe the symptom at the moment. But if I don't go down and knock down the wasp nest, it's right. just going to keep happening over and over again. Really? Right. And so, so you've got to be willing to talk about what you believe and you've got to be around people who you're not afraid to let ask you questions and dive into that a little bit more. Yes. Peeling back the layers and that onion, right? Peeling it back. Yes. <laughs> yes. What is yes. that core and belief and what's, what's keeping me from you know, kind of stepping outside of that core belief. I think diet culture, mm-hmm. diet culture tells us we need to strive, strive, strive. And God says, Mm-mm, no, I mm-hmm. made you perfectly in my image. You don't need mm-hmm. to. Yes. And that's such, I love that you mentioned that such an important piece of it, because I feel like so much the, the opposite of striving is that piece of rest. Yes. And there's so many scriptures that talk about rest. And I've, I think, don't quote me on this, but if I'm remembering correctly, because I talked about this somewhat recently with the client, the commandment that talks about like rest and honoring God, like there's so many things that about the Sabbath, it's like one of the longer explanations in the two commandments. And so the, we, I love the verse in, um, oh, I'm going to, the 23rd Psalm. That's what Mm -hmm. it is where he says, you know, he makes me lie down in green pastures and it continues on. And I had a college pastor point out to me at one point, it's like, this is such a revelation for me. He doesn't say he invites you to lie down in green pastures. He said, he makes you right. And it's for my good. Like he's going to make me rest. And so whether it's disordered eating or whether it's the anxiety around body image, if you don't give yourself that permission to rest physically and mentally, and for certain spiritually, you're going to get burned out to the point where you can't do anything but rest, right? right? You're going to have that moment. So I love that. I love that you brought that up. And that is something I would give the call to action to anybody, like mm-hmm. take a moment today and rest, mm-hmm. find a 
a weekly way that you can rest. Maybe that's your Sabbath day that you, you know, have your church service or for us, our Sabbath is really Saturdays. We have church on Sundays, but Saturday we really prioritize as a family day mm-hmm. and we leave the chores and things for other days. So yes. we don't want to just constantly strive. No, no. So for, for someone, maybe a mom or maybe a mom who has a daughter who's finding identity in their body size or their shape, like what, what encouragement would you give them to seek to improve their body image? I mean, I know we just touched base on some of those things Mm -hmm. or anything else that you would add. Yes. I love this question because I feel like I have an unconventional answer for it. And, (laughs) um, (laughs) hit me and it is, it's not the focus on body positivity. It's do as much as you can to intentionally remove your focus from your body. That does not mean ignore your, your physical health, but when, but when you take the focus off your body, you are removing an idol that has become, you know, a little G God, you're spending more time focusing on your body and how to change it instead of the one who created your body. Mm -hmm. It it makes such a huge difference in your quality of life and your thought life. And I know we've, we've talked about taking your thoughts captive, right? And it's so much easier and more effective to take your thoughts captive. Number one, when you're nourished, it takes energy in the form of calories. I'm going to say it when I say the C word, my clients are like, Oh, that's calories. So when we focus, when, when we're not consuming enough, our brain uses requires energy. Mm-hmm. We have to have energy to take thoughts captive. Therefore we have to consume enough energy, right? Mm-hmm. So step one, make sure you're nourishing yourself and also some really super practical things you can do. Avoid looking in the mirror for, for extended periods of time. If that's something you struggle with, maybe you notice, hey, I I spend 40 minutes in front of the mirror doing my makeup or my hair or just staring at perceived imperfections, Mm -hmm. then set yourself a timer and start backing it down. Say, okay, I'm going to set my timer for 30 minutes and I'm going to make sure I'm done in front of the mirror before that timer goes off. And then take that extra 10 minutes or whatever it is and do something that is recovery focused that's maybe going to grow your relationship with the Lord. Use that time for something productive and positive mm-hmm. instead of like, you know, self-degradation, yeah. right? So, and you can keep backing that down. So go down to 20 minutes or go down to 15. And it's not to say you're never going to look in the mirror, right? I look right. in the mirror every day to brush my teeth, do my makeup on the days that I do it. Right, exactly. You know? <laughs> but when that doesn't become your focus, and you're not like looking forward to that time in front of the mirror. It's just a thing that happens in the day. Just like eating is a thing that happens. It doesn't have to consume your thoughts all day. So that's, that's a practical one. Another way to just intentionally move your focus away from your body, get rid of your scale. There are very few reasons why you might actually need a scale. And unless you have severe cardiovascular disease, you probably don't need it. Um, Or unless you are an, yes. And if you're an athlete, you know, every once in a while, um, and I am not a specialist in sports nutrition. I have a couple RDs that I would regularly refer to for this. The only other time I would say a skill might be helpful is to make sure you're not getting dehydrated after, you know, like a, like a major workout, um, so that you can know how much sweat did I lose? So how much fluid do I need to replace? Mm -hmm. That's about it. Your scale only measures your relationship with gravity. That's all it is. Yes. So getting rid of the scale and then 
from a super easy standpoint. And I love this now that I work at home, y'all can't see it, but I'm wearing stretchy pants. Wear comfortable, non-tight clothing, right? Find styles that you like and things you're comfortable in, but especially in the, the time period that you are focusing on getting, getting your focus more on Christ and, yes. not, and off your body. Yes. Don't make it harder on yourself to take that focus off by wearing restrictive clothing. That includes, ladies, I'm going to say it, that includes bras. If you have a bra that is has an underwire or something that's uncomfortable, get you something comfortable to wear, you know, undergarments and outer garments so that you're not so focused on how your clothing is fitting or how it's not fitting. Yes. So good. Body neutrality. God made you good. God made your body and he said it was good. So it's time to yes. believe that with your whole entire heart. <laughs> yes. And sometimes you just have to act on it before you believe it. Yes. Right? Sometimes it takes like, I'm going to do it over and over again. And something that one of my mentors told me a while back that I, I feel like I preach on a regular basis is like that the action comes first and feelings follow. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. Do it over and over again. Right. The feelings will come, but you can't wait till you feel good about your body to start. No. Respecting it and taking care of it. Yes. Yes. And again, that's another one of those fine lines, loving my body, <laughs> right? Like it, we don't want it to become a little G God, but we right. want to respect it in the way that God has created it and nourish it yes. in the way that he intended for us to. Yes. So that you do not of- have to love it. <laughs> you just have to take care of it, respect it. Appreciate right. it. Exactly. And be grateful for it, for the yes. body that gave you. Absolutely. So you practice from a weight neutral perspective. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I think we're kind of touching base on the body neutrality of it all, but what about the weight neutrality? Yes. Yeah, so this is something that I am really passionate about that I think really opens up space for my clients to feel really comfortable talking to me because it is a no judgment zone. If I have a client that I do now, I'm, my practice is virtually, so is virtual. So I see most of my clients like, you know, shoulder, mm-hmm. chest up or something. Right. Mm-hmm. But when we are working together, they know that regardless of your body size, if you come into a session with me, especially like a first call, I'm never going to look at your body size and assume that I know what your struggle is, regardless of whether you are quote unquote, normal weight, underweight or overweight. Mm-hmm. I've had clients in every single body shape and size with the same diagnosis. Right. Right. And I don't practice from a, a diagnosis may be helpful in knowing some of what you struggle with, but it's not the whole story either. So from that weight neutral perspective, if I have a client, maybe that is underweight that struggles with restrictive behaviors, I'm also going to have a client maybe that is potentially overweight or maybe at a place where they're, they're physically uncomfortable, even that may also be struggling with restriction are like, your, your weight is not just about calories in calories out. There's so much more to your body and to your health. And so I focus, I think it's really important to focus on health promoting behaviors versus having an end goal that's weight related. Because ultimately we can't control that. Right. I would be like a multi-billionaire if I could control how much somebody weighed and where that came from on or off their body. Yeah. Right. And so it becomes really I'm just going to say the word ridiculous to be for It would be ridiculous for me to promise someone, Hey, as we're working on your health, you're probably going to lose weight or you're probably going to gain weight. Right. I don't know that the right. Lord knows that. Right. And exactly. we can watch for physiological signs that might tell us 
it's probably going to shift one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But when the end goal, like weight doesn't equal health. No. Right. So health is a behavior. It's not a dress size, mm-hmm. it's not any kind of clothing size. And so from a weight neutral perspective, instead of having weight as like either a gain or a loss or a particular, I want to maintain, I want to stop restricting, but I also want to maintain my weight. I want to stop binging, but I also want to maintain my weight. Right. Yeah. We got to take, it's okay to talk about Mm -hmm. weight related goals. That's a totally safe thing to discuss. Mm -hmm. And we want to talk about maybe how it plays into the process, but not make it the end goal because that's going to keep you from seeing all the successes you have along the way and all of the positive changes you make from an action-based standpoint and a mindset standpoint. Absolutely. It's a constant surrender, right? Of every day, every thought and taking them captive and aligning them with what the Bible says and what God says about us. Yes. Sometimes multiple times a day. I think (laughs) it's so, I think it's so helpful to have, even if it's like two or three scriptures in your back pocket Mm -hmm. to know like, okay, when I have this thought, this is my go-to, right? This is my, um, I feel like I talked about that so much. I, I wrote it on like little article thing for so many of my clients that there's when they say like, well, what if I'm in that place of like, a, I'm, I'm already spiraling, right. right? Then having a go-to move where you can say, regardless of the thought, mm-hmm. I'm going to have this one scripture or lyric or prayer or whatever it might be and say, rather than just trying to take my thoughts captive in the moment when they're all over the place, I'm going to at least have a starting place. And this is going to be my, my go-to that's going to help me focus and then decide from there. So I think that can be a, a good place to start. Yes. I love having those verses. I personally, I, I can't tell you how many times a day I pull that scripture out of that pocket and debunk any thought because it's spiritual warfare. It, it really is. All of this is spiritual and the enemy seeks to steal, kill and destroy. And this is his tactic for some of us. Yeah, it is. And it's, but it's not one that we have to, you know, fall prey to. It's going to happen on a regular basis. Right. But it's totally compatible and can more than like, you can, you can always overcome it. There's always a way. Absolutely. Cause God is for us. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> I'm 14, 14. I will fight for you. You only need to stand still. <laughs> love, love that one. That was one. I think that was one, one of my a previous client, one of my first clients shared with me and had read it before, but that was her like go-to mm-hmm. recovery scripture because she was one that struggled regularly. I strive, I strive, I strive. And that was her reminder. That's the Lord's job. The Lord's going to fight for me. Lay it down, lay it down. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Brittany. I appreciate your time. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we head into some rapid fire questions? Oh, you know, I would, I would again, just say, if you are struggling with body image, do go back and listen to some of those practical things we talked about on ways to remove that focus, because it's not about just trying to love. I think Heather Creekmore has a quote that I just love. She says, you don't have to love your cellulite. You have to love Jesus. Right. Yes. And so, yes. yes. And, um, and I go back to that so often to remind my clients, like, it's okay if you wake up and you don't love your body mm-hmm. because that's not the point. Right. Um, we, we, the way that you can know that you are sort of spiritually healthy when it comes to that body image is knowing I can still steward and take care of the body God's given me. Right. Even when I'm not loving it. 
yeah. right? Or even when I don't like look in the mirror and go, yes, I'm so excited about what I look like today. <laughs> right. right. When, when that doesn't become your little G God and you can just say, yes. it's okay if I don't love everything that's going on today, but Lord, how can I use my body as a tool mm-hmm. to serve you and to live out my calling and purpose for you today? Ooh, amen. So good. So where can my listeners find you, Brittany? Yeah, um, I, I spend, my website's probably the best place. So um, that's it, brittanybrazelrd.com. And I love to, I've got a lot of free resources on there. So you can find the little freebies tab at the top or the resources tab. If there's anything there that you feel like would help you from a body image or just sort of eating standpoint. And I tend to spend some time hanging out on Instagram these days. So you can connect with me there at brittanybrazelrd. Yay. Awesome. Okay. Into the rapid fire favorite book. Yes. Of the Bible. This might change on the daily, but today, oh. what is your favorite book? Oh, you know what? I feel like I really love Proverbs just because sometimes <laughs> as a mama, I don't always get time to sit and read like passages at a time. Yeah. So when I can go in and like find some little pieces of encouragement that are succinct, that can be a super helpful thing to get yes. me through the day. Yes. So, so good. I love the Psalms. In fact, there's been times in my life where I take the Psalms and I insert particular names in the Psalms. So good. Okay. Your current favorite worship song. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I feel like I have so many Trudy. That's a hard one. I know. Um, <laughs> you know, I feel like I listen to a lot of elevation worship and this is a little bit of an older one, but I really love their song Hosanna. I said, Jose, I mean, that may not be elevation now that I'm thinking about it. Jose, it's either elevation or, uh, oh gosh. Anyway, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of, uh, a bunch of kind of those types of like, I don't want to say deep worship songs, but things that make me slow down. Mm-hmm. I love praise music, especially in the morning, but sometimes when I really just need to rest, I need something to like calm me physically and mentally. So I love Hosanna. I love some of the, the slower ones to really help me refocus and rest. Yes. So good. Okay. Do you have a book that you've recently read and enjoyed? Oh, yes. I will say disclaimer, I'm not a huge reader. I am also a little bit of a nerd because I love to learn about, I love continue growing in like yes. the, the body image kind of aspect. And I actually just read a book from a friend of mine who her book releases, I think in November. And it's just, it's called Your Worthy Body. And it's by mm-hmm. Amy Cannell. And she is a exercise physiologist. Mm-hmm. And she has a book talking about your, your worthy body from the sense of like, here's some ways you can care for your body, right. Mm-hmm. From a physical standpoint, exercise and nutrition standpoint. And I really enjoyed that from a body neutrality, yeah. like grow your spiritual life and kind of move that focus away from the body. So that's probably been my most recent read that I have really loved. So if you guys haven't read that yet, it's not out at the time of this recording, but hopefully when the episode comes out, I think it, I think the book releases the first week of November of 2021. Ooh, nice. They can put it in their carts. I'm pretty sure they probably could (laughs) pre-order. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Awesome. All right, Brittany. Well, I thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your wisdom and your knowledge with regards to body image. Would you mind closing us in prayer? Yes, I would love to. Father God, we just come to you today in worship. We thank you so much just in advance, Lord Jesus, for everyone who's listening to this episode, Father God, that you are going to do a work in their hearts and in their spirit today, Lord, that if 
they are struggling with body image or disordered eating, or Father God, if they're a mama who has a son or a daughter who is not seeing themselves the way that you see them, who has found their worth or value or identity in anything other than you, Father God, I pray that you would bring people into their lives that help them um, just to point them back to you and to point them back to knowing that their identity, that their true identity can only be found in you and that that is always going to be the best way. I thank you, Lord, again, just for the opportunity to share this message. I pray that someone's heart was touched today. And I thank you again just for all the good things that you have coming, for the way that you are helping people to get rid of that body idolatry and help us just, Lord, to make you first in our lives, knowing that you will you will bring the rest to follow. We love you so much, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brittany. Until next time, Kingdom Mamas, have a great week. Hey, Mama, before you go, will you do me a favor? If you found this podcast encouraging and valuable, would you please head over to iTunes, leave a review, and subscribe to the show? Also, I'd love to connect with you. I can be found on social at Trudy underscore Lineski. Until next time, sweet girl, stand confidently in your calling. You are the mom for the job.